0: You are listening to the Women in Leadership podcast with Debbie Collard, Susan Ireland, professional executive coaches and co-founders of the Season's Leadership Program, and Marianne Metz, digital marketing manager at Ascension. This podcast focuses on helping women around the globe explore their passion for leadership. Join Debbie, Susan, and Marianne on Women Wednesdays as they talk to world-class leaders this season to dive deeper into their journeys of leadership development and find out what it takes to acquire your own professional leadership style. If you are interested in additional resources outside of the podcast, please visit seasonsleadership.com where you can enroll in executive coaching or transformation workshops. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascension Transformation Solutions. This is your new personal leadership mentor. This is the Women in Leadership podcast.
1: Hi, welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. My name is Marian Metz and I'll be your host for today. It's my pleasure to introduce my co-hosts, Debbie Collard and Susan Ireland, co-founders of the Seasons Leadership Program. If you are new, please check out our earlier episodes where you can find more information on where to start your leadership development process. We wanted to take some, some time before we start the show to give a big shout out to all of our listeners in Poland. You ladies are amazing, and we hope you continue to join our community to feel empowered and inspired. You can personally reach out to us by rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts, as we love to read your comments and feedback. If there's a special episode that's your favorite, just take a screenshot of the episode and tag Women in Leadership on your Instagram or LinkedIn stories, and we'll be happy to reach out and connect with you. Today, we have a special guest who is a proud advocate for women of color affected by breast cancer. Marissa Thomas is a four-year breast cancer survivor from Tacoma, Washington. She is the CEO and co-founder of For the Breast of Us, which is a first online platform for women of color and their families affected by breast cancer. The company's mission is to uplift women of color affected by breast cancer by sharing stories to empower survivors and help the rest of their lives be the best through education, advocacy, and community. Today, Marissa works full-time as the program coordinator and medical assistant at the University of Washington Medical Center. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with everyone.
3: Marissa, will you tell us about who you are and what drove you to create The Breast of Us? (laughs)
2: Who I am? Well, I think Marianne kind of summed up real quickly um, who I am, but just a little bit more about myself. I've worked in healthcare for um, almost about the past 20 years. I have a 19-year-old son who is currently in college at Arizona State University. So I am an empty nester and I'm learning how to live that life right now. It's kind of like my dad said, it's I'm in the perfect sweet spot right now where I have the freedom to do whatever I want, but then also stuck in the part of like, well, what do I do <laughs> with myself? <laughs> so besides working, I'm also, as you stated, the co-founder of for The Breast of Us, uh, the first inclusive online community for women of color who have been affected by breast cancer. And one of the reasons that we started that community was just that when I was diagnosed at the age of 35, I couldn't find any resources or any other women who were diagnosed with breast cancer as well. And I knew just by looking online that they were out there, but it's like, how can we connect? Even just searching the hashtag breast cancer, most of the images that you find on there are of Caucasian women and not necessarily women of color, but I knew women of color were being diagnosed. So I wanted to help develop a platform to where they could all connect with each other especially in the COVID times right now, everybody's doing that virtually. So that's, I would say that we were kind of one up on that game because we started and back in 2019 before COVID happened. And just so you can relate to other women who not only are we all diagnosed with breast cancer, but we can relate on another level, whether you be a Hispanic woman and know that your culture and what that's like whether you're Asian American woman and know that sometimes that there's some shame behind being sick, but then connecting with other Asian women who are like you. And then also just the different types of breast cancer or the different types of breast cancer surgeries. We're learning a lot of women now are declining doing reconstruction after having like a total mastectomy, which means that both of your breasts are removed. If you're diagnosed with breast cancer, that's one of the options that women have. And a lot of women are deciding just to remain flat. And that's a new community thing and something that we're embracing. So it's kind of a little bit about myself and a little bit about for the rest of us.
4: Well, that's wonderful. Um, Marissa, at Seasons Leadership Program, we, um, we, we talk about having a foundational leadership triad of a vision or what you want to achieve. A mission, why you want to do what you do or why you do what you do. And then values, how you go about doing it or what you align to as you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So mission said differently, we also call a purpose or your why. Why you do what you do. It's a key part of that foundation. And even though you've told us a little bit about what drove you to create the rest of us, what would you say is your why or purpose?
2: I mean, I guess one of my reasons is my why is when I was diagnosed, I actually met a young Hispanic woman named Christina at the same time. And I realized that we were both diagnosed around the same time. We had some similarities where we were both raising young women and being just diagnosed really young. And, um, unfortunately her breast cancer returned and metastasized all through her body. And sadly, she passed away in July of 2018. So one of my whys is to get more women of color involved into the clinical trial process, a research process, because the only way that we'll be able to find out why women of color are being diagnosed at a young age is if we participate in clinical research trials and if we don't then we just we won't know so part of my why is to help carry on her story and her legacy which you know she probably and i didn't know at the time that she had a legacy but just continuing her story and you know making especially young women realizing about their bodies i think if we could just start baseline with that if like every year everybody should at least be going to get a physical and you should be going to get your teeth cleaned twice a year if I can get everybody in the world to do that then I feel like (laughs) I've made a difference (laughs) at that um because if you do those things and you get a good reputation with your medical provider then you're more liable to tell them if something's wrong with you and I always say your body is kind of like your car you're the only one that's going to know what it feels like when you are quote-unquote driving behind the wheel for example when I was diagnosed um I had actually had my physical two weeks before I found my own lump and my doctor felt something in my breast and I could feel it at the same time. And she brushed it off. And I'll say, I kind of brushed it off too with her. She was just like, well, you've been working out a lot. Maybe you just strained something. And I remember texting my sister. and was like, mm, even I was kind of uneasy. And then two weeks later, I found something. I found the lump, but I also was really tired and fatigued. And I remember telling her that. So it's, just those little things. Like if you know something's off with yourself, you're the only one that can convince your medical team that something's off. And if you don't find, if you find a medical provider and you tell them and they don't want to listen, then you need to find somebody else. So it's more so just, I would say my why and my purpose is so everybody can be more in tune with their bodies, whether you are male or female. And then secondly, regardless of whatever your circumstances, you just living your best life. So, my circumstance may have been that I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And even though I had that, I know that I could continue to live my best life regardless of that circumstance. So, whatever your circumstance is, you know, maybe you lost your job or maybe you're just now starting out to figure out what it is that you want to do with your life, but you feel like you should be at eight, but you're only at two, you could still live your best life within that two until you can make it up to eight.
4: Wow, that's impressive. It sounds like part of your why is helping others to be their own best advocate. Yes. Yes, I would agree. That's wonderful. So what personal value or values um, are you aligning with as the leader of the rest of us um, in, in working that mission and that why?
2: Um, I guess my personal values, it's just, you know, more so just living life every day. I don't necessarily think that there's, you know, one set reason or one set way that you have to go about things. And, you know, just because something works okay for me, it may not work okay for you. But just making women realize that they have the power to achieve and do whatever it is that they want to do. I know even for myself, it's hard for me to realize that. We recently just did a retreat with um, our Batty Ambassadors. We have 36 women who we call Batty Ambassadors. Um, so they are advocates in their own community, helping other women of color that have been diagnosed with breast cancer. And we recently did a retreat with them. And I know one of the women had said to me, "Like, do you realize the change that you know that you're making and helping all of us? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> and not no of like, that it's like, I don't realize it It, to me, it just doesn't feel real all the time. And I think because just being with these women and, you know, connecting with them on different levels, that's more important to me than it is necessarily all of the extra work. If that makes sense, you know, there's always a business and work that you're doing, but personally, I like to just get to know people personally, like what makes you, what makes you tick, what makes you run because then I feel like when you find out who that person is behind, then you know the type of person they are as a leader or in business. If that makes sense.
3: Well, wow, Marissa, you are so inspiring um, and <laughs> and also humble. You know, you've really done so much, and um, uh, I'd like to know what successes have you seen so far.
2: Well, in terms of. For the breast of us, the successes that I've seen or that we've seen is just how much it's grown. We have a private Facebook group and there are over a thousand uh, women of color who have either been diagnosed with breast cancer or someone close to them has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, You know, a lot of people aren't social media savvy. And so, you know, recently we had a young woman who has not been diagnosed with breast cancer, but her aunt was, and she was like, can I just join this group? to like help her. So we don't mind doing that, you know? So just seeing that grow, seeing the business grow in general, even just with the ambassadors that I talked about, like they're all fired up and inspired and there's different things that they want to do that they've noticed when they were diagnosed. So those are some of the successes that we're having. Um, it's you know, kind of cool to see people wearing your merchandise or your products, because I always say you know it's like a walking billboard, so that's always really nice. And then just seeing the growth that we've had on social media, we have a big following on all of our platforms, but especially on Instagram, so that's been really nice to see. And then also just even for myself of being able to talk on podcasts and platforms like this or even sharing the wealth, I feel like everybody knows my story and they know where I've come from. And so my biggest thing is like, well, I know all these other women who have an amazing story as well. I want them to be able to share their story. And, you know, we always say share your story. And I think when it comes to people or women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer, it's like, you know, everybody wants to know your journey. And like I said, I feel like everybody knows mine, but there's so much more behind who I am, you know, behind that, or even behind the other women, like, you know, yes, I had breast cancer, but like there's so much more that we could talk about. Like, let's talk about going on trips or vacation or, you know, let's talk about how to navigate the healthcare system since I've been in it for so long. So, so many different things.
3: Were you prepared to step into this leadership role and why or why not?
2: I think if you asked other people, they probably said I was. If you asked me, I would probably say no. But it it definitely fits. Um, I always say that everybody has a different hat. And I think that that's one of the things that I've realized with having a business partner. Like somebody may be really good, like customer service focused, and the other person may be really good, technical or IT focused. And um, I would say for myself, uh, you know, I've managed people before, um, which is a whole nother beast in itself, <laughs> which I'm sure you all can agree with. And I think I, I believe that I'm a good. Leader, I'm not one of the type of leaders to where I micromanage people. I'm come from a background of like we're all adults, we all know how to work. You're gonna make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. So I would rather give you the tools and the platform that you need to succeed. And then if we have a stumble or a roadblock in that you process, then let's go back to the drawing board and talk about it and feel, figure out how we can make it work. I think more people and what we're really realizing in COVID is a lot of people are able to work on their own and get the job done instead of being micromanaged like under a microscope all day. I'm one of those people that if you micromanage me, I will just throw my hands up in the air and just be like, okay, (laughs) like I'm not, you know, I'll let you take over and do whatever you want to do and I'll just kind of fall back. Because it's just not the way how I work. But if you give me the room to grow and learn in that process, then I'll flourish. So I would say that I'm that type of leader. And I think that that's what's helped me be successful and develop some of the relationships that I've had so far. Thank you. I feel like that was like a long answer for what you (laughs) asked me. (laughs) That was a great
4: answer. So, Marissa, you saw this need out there. And because of the experiences you had gone through, how did you do it? What, what were the steps you took? How, what roadmap did you follow to get started?
2: Well, I think partnering with my business partner, Jasmine, uh, and just, you know, learning and talking with her and making that work. Also, we had a lot of the same women from Instagram that we were friends with online that we never necessarily met in person and just talking with them and letting them know what we had wanted to do even when we kind of like soft announced it on social media a lot of the women were like oh my god like yes how can we help what can we do i mean even to this day a lot of women are like i wish i had found for the rest of us when i was originally diagnosed but i'm glad to have found them now so i think those are some of the things just it it's more because it's really community and grassroots. And so us just tapping into our community and some of the women and actually figuring out what their strengths are and how they can help us and vice versa has been a success for us.
1: Martha, as someone myself whose close family members have also battled cancer, I'm a huge advocate for your community and what you're doing with your company. Can you Thank talk you. a little bit about your resilience and what role that has played in your journey so people like me can use this as encouragement to the people around us who are going through their own journey.
2: I would definitely say for what I, I would call you guys co-survivors, um, one of the things that I noticed that when I was diagnosed is that not only is the person diagnosed, but everybody else around you is diagnosed as well. They're just diagnosed in their own way. And I think that that goes for any type of serious illness some advice that I would say for a co-survivor or somebody that has had somebody close to them that's diagnosed with cancer is definitely is just do don't necessarily ask for somebody like myself who, you know, on the outside looking in is like definitely strong and doesn't like to ask for help when people would just say like, Oh, well tell me whatever it is that you need and I'll do it. Like, I'm just not going to tell you what, I I would rather figure out how to get it done myself instead of Mm -hmm. asking somebody which is my own thing that I have to work on, right? Which I feel like a lot of people are in that realm. But then if you just take that out of that person's hands and you just do, like the easiest thing you could do is like send toilet paper via Amazon or Target. It's like the e- one of the easiest things or just sending a grocery run or even just like gas gift cards because you have to go back and forth to your doctor's appointments. Even if that person can't drive, whoever is driving them can take those gift cards and you know use that to help. So. That's like my perfect advice that I have for anybody is to just do and just step in. I had a really good um, support system. Like my sister, she actually <laughs> set up a surprise email address. So then that way people could send me like private messages that way instead of bombarding my phone all the time with text or um, phone calls. So that was really cool. Um, and that's a way that people could check up on me. And then they also couldn't necessarily feel blindsided if I didn't respond because I know that I wasn't feeling good. Um, In terms of just advocating in general, it's, you know, figuring out whatever it is in your community, um, whether it's local or now we're all really virtual online and figure out how you can help that way, you know, yourself too. I know even though for the rest of us is for, you know, a community for women of color, we always get a lot of non-women of color who ask us how they can help. And we have on the website, we have a really cool page, which we call um, Accomplice Baddies. Mm -hmm. Um, And for accomplices, for us, it's like, you know, we always say uh, an accomplice is somebody that rolls up their sleeves and gets dirty with you in doing the work. They don't mind standing there with you. They're not going to stand in front of you and, you know, talk over you or anything, but they're definitely going to stand next to you and make sure that they can help do the work or actually highlight you in the process. And so that's another way that you could be, you know, an advocate. We definitely say accomplice instead of ally, because, you know, an ally is just somebody that's always there, but an accomplice is actually going to get in and do the work with you.
1: Thank wow. you So much. I love that advice.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that, that you have. I love that advice too. Those were some very practical tips that are helpful because I know um, sometimes I don't know what to do. And mm-hmm having some ideas, Um, I bet that's on the website too, is some ideas on the way to help.
2: Yes, we do have, there have been a couple of women who are wrote blogs on, you know, way that you can help. And, you know, those are just, they're just easy ones. Even setting up like a meal train. I know that's something new for people to do. My coworkers, they had all, my son was teenage at the time. And you know how teenagers eat. They all like went to Costco (laughs) and bought all the stuff and (laughs) brought it here. And it was like, the best thing ever. Cause I didn't have to worry about, you know, how's he going to eat or, you know, which I know like somebody else probably would have helped, but like, that's easy because then I don't have somebody else to have to come over to the house. He could just pop something in the oven himself and make it happen. That
3: is good. And I, I really like the email idea too. Wow. That is, that is, that, that's like transformational. I, might
2: do that myself. I mean, and even for myself, it's nice to even go back and look, because I still have access to the email. So even just to have memories if you want to, to go yeah. back and look too.
3: Yeah, that is really great. Well, um, you've gone through quite a journey. What are the greatest leadership challenges facing you right now?
2: Um, well, some of the greatest leadership challenges that I'm having facing is just um, I've never Well, of course it's my first time running a business. So that's, you know, um, a challenge in itself. I don't, I wouldn't say being a leader is a challenge because I've managed people before. I would say one of my biggest challenges is just necessarily having somebody that you have to like bounce ideas off of and then come together and be in a mutual agreement. I think that that has been a challenge of mine that I'm currently trying to work through and, I was telling my sister this past weekend, I had went and visited her for her birthday down in Atlanta. And I was just like, you know, one of my biggest things is being a failure. But what she helped me realize is that that's my own thought process, right? It's not other women will look at what I'm doing or what we have going on. And they'll see the whole bigger picture and whatever I feel like is smallest as being my failure. They won't even see that. So having to realize that. So being a leader, I think that is one of my biggest things is just learning how to cohesively work with somebody and other people, um, and realizing that conflicts will probably always be there. And how do you get over that bridge? And then also just the, um, the self-confidence and realizing that whatever it is that I want to do, I can still continue to do that. It may not look the way how I may think it's going to, but it's still going to be successful in the end.
1: With all the successes you have going on at your business, however, how do you optimize achieving your priorities with all of your personal and
2: professional commitments? Um, I have definitely put boundaries in place. I know when we first started, I didn't. I would work all the time. So then, of course, that stopped me from working out or taking care of myself. And then I noticed that for me that wasn't okay. It didn't work really good. And so my biggest advice to anybody that is a woman in leadership or in business is to definitely set boundaries and people have to respect those boundaries. They just have to. And if you think that they won't and that they're going to walk away, I would say it's okay for them to walk away because it's going to be somebody else that will respect those boundaries. And I think us as women in business, we come with a thing of like, you know, Oh, it's a really tough, you know, Community to be in, it's like, nobody's going to take me seriously if I have little kids or if I'm doing this. And it's just like, somebody will, and we have to get out of this whole notion of like, you have to be working nine to five or in, you know, our day in lives right now, people feel like you have to work 24 hours a day. Uh, most of the people that I deal with are on East Coast time. And of course, I'm here in Seattle on Pacific Coast time. And so a lot of times I don't get to respond to a lot of their emails until it's late at night. And so sometimes what I've started doing at the end of my email signature is just saying, hey, I know this is outside of your working business hours. Even though I'm working, don't feel like you have to respond right now. So definitely placing those boundaries in place, making time for yourself and your family and loved ones. Uh, for me, Sunday is my day. That's my day to decompress and relax. You can send me 100 emails all you want to. They're not going to get responded to <laughs> unless you have my personal phone number. and you send me a text and say it's an emergency. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to respond to that. And I, it's just important, right? Because it's good not only for self-care, but just for your own mental health. You need that time to decompress Absolutely. because if you don't have that time to decompress, then you know, it's all going to blow up at some point. One of the things that I know that before I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was just all over the place and tried to be everything for everybody but myself. You know, people would call me and be like, oh, we have this going on. Can you come here? And then two hours later, and I would just make it work and be everywhere. or I would say yes to everything. And now I'm at the point of where even when people ask me to be on panels and everything, I'm just like, Nope, I you know, I can't do it. But then also giving them an alternative. I may not be able to do it, but I know somebody else that can't. And so that helps me because then I don't feel bad for saying no. I'm giving them another option, but it also takes care of myself because then it's like I have that downtime. And I don't wanna, you know, blame my cancer for like stress or anything, but you know, it's not to say that stress caused by cancer, but if I know that if I'm not okay mentally or physically, mm-hmm. then my body's just not going to take care of myself and like how it has to. So I'm all for boundaries, like get you some boundaries in place and, <laughs> you know, don't, don't waver on those boundaries. We can't teach, you know, our kids or anybody that's in our life to have boundaries or to say no. And then we're the first ones jumping up and saying yes to everything too.
4: Right. It's about setting a good example as well. Yes. Um, so Marissa, what types of support do you need today to be successful in achieving your goals?
2: Definitely the support from, you know, friends and family ideas off of them. I like bouncing ideas off of people all the time or, you know, just saying like, hey, this is kind of an issue that I'm having, you know, what do you think? Um, the one thing about it is my parents would probably always say that I'm hard-headed, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. So I may be asking you, but I am may still just want to do what I feel like is right. But I like, I like getting people's opinions. So I don't mind asking for those. And so I would say those are some of the things that will help me with my goals. Um, Just, you know, expanding across all of our social media, uh, making sure that everybody knows about for the rest of us and the work that we're doing and how that they can help us as well. We are not a nonprofit. I know when people hear that or they think for the rest of us, they think we're a nonprofit, but we're actually an LLC and it has worked out for us so far. I think it is a good move and something that we did. And I'm glad that we have people in our community who want to help support us.
3: Can I can I ask a question about yeah. how come you decided LLC versus nonprofit?
2: Well, for one of the things that we've noticed is a lot of times when People of color get into the nonprofit space. They're not as successful as our white counterparts. And we knew that going the LLC route, if we, you know, sold merchandise or charged for certain things, that would help us grow as a business. And it has. Now, on the flip side of that, you do have pharmaceutical companies or other companies who are like, oh, well, if you're an LLC, we could give you this and we could give you that. One thing that we're noticing is that people find loopholes all the time to make it happen. So becoming an LLC, you know, we're more so of like a media entertainment entity, which is fine because we're based online and a lot of our, you know, things that we do is with social media. Um, it just a lot of the organizations that are in the breast cancer space are nonprofits. So that's really competitive too. So if you kind of put yourself in a different realm, but still do the same things they're doing, there's still success there. And I think that's the one thing that we've noticed. Marissa,
1: how easy is it for someone listening to join your online community?
2: It is very easy. (laughs) All you would have to do is definitely go to breastofus.com. I would encourage everybody to read any of the stories there, not only just read them, but definitely share because sharing is important. So sharing on any of your social media or just sharing with anybody that, you know, I think when people hear for the breast of us and they think breast cancer, a lot of the stories are just going to be about breast cancer and they're really not. Um, you know, if you are a woman that's going through menopause, there is a, uh, a lot of the young women, which you may not know if they're diagnosed with breast cancer, nine times out of 10, they're going to be in medically induced menopause. So we have a lot of women who are 30 years old who are in menopause. And the funny stories that you hear about that, because none of your doctors tell you that, and you're just going into menopause. So that means you have no sex drive. <laughs> it means if you're married, your sex life is probably really in the tank. And the doctors mm-hmm. are kind of like, we don't know what to tell you. We saved your life. So you just have to deal with this. So our number one blog that we have on the site, the title is called My Broken Vagina. It is the funniest blog ever, (laughs) um, written by one of my friends, Miranda, and I would encourage anybody to read it. And she talks about how she is a young mother with four kids who was thrown into menopause and just kind of like, what am I supposed to do? I have a husband. And it's, it's really funny and anybody can relate to it, right? So I would say share those type of stories. We're also all on social media. And so you can get active with us there and share some of our content on there. And if you know somebody who has been diagnosed with breast cancer, definitely refer them to our site. There's resources there if they want to share their story. We also do a live podcast. So that's one way to get involved. And, you know, recently with the retreat, we're going to try to do that every single year. And, you know, we always are looking for sponsors in any type of way. So that's another way of getting involved. And, you know, we'll shout you out on social media. We'll let people know. And, you know, if you have products that you would like for us to share, we definitely like exchanging, you know, information that way too.
1: Thank you so much, Marissa. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you and have you share your story with us today. But before we end the show, we have one last fun question for you as our guest star. Mm-hmm. Is there someone famous that you would want to be for one day?
2: I would love to be Issa Rae. <laughs> and my the reasoning for that is I love the fact of not only is she helping people of color that she knows, you know, rise up in the ranks or getting their stories and their products out, but she always goes back to that. Uh, the one thing that I've noticed is You know, even on her show Insecure, a lot of the people that she brought onto that show are people that she worked with when she just had her YouTube channel. So she definitely brings people with her and helps them, you know, know how to navigate her world. And so that is one of the things that I would love to do. And then, you know, she's just fun. And I think a lot of people gravitate towards that. They're like, you know, it's business, business work that needs to be done, but we can have fun in the process. And That's one of my biggest things. I want people to know, like, this is business. We can do work, but we can all have fun in the process.
3: I think you are doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Me too.
2: (laughs) I hope so. I hope so.
1: Thank you so much, Marissa, for taking the time to share your stories and inspirational ideas with us today. Please tune in on Women Wednesdays for more episodes, where we'll be interviewing more empowering leaders just like Marissa. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the Women in Leadership podcast. If you loved today's episode, we encourage you to rate and review our show on your Apple Podcast app. If you are interested in learning more about professional development, visit seasonsleadership.com to learn about their annual leadership program. This program is designed for women to support their growth and success as a professional. It was created to help motivate female leaders and further their self-awareness to live into their potential while still making a difference. Don't forget to follow us on social media to stay up to date on the latest episodes. This is the Women in Leadership podcast, where new episodes come out on Women Wednesday.